Genre. Welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing Linus and Snoopy and Charlie Brown and the Peanuts gang from It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. And joining me for the discussion is Protagonist Podcast co-founder, Todd Mack. Welcome back, Todd. Oh, it's so good to be here. So It's been a little bit since we had you on the podcast. It has. I feel like it's been... A, a really long bit. Yeah, lo- lo- longer than we've usually uh, done. Just, uh, you know, li- life gets busy. Though I actually did see you in person since we last had you on, which is more rare since we live, you know, across the country from one <laughs> another. <laughs> yeah, that was so fun. As far as I'm concerned, this is one of the classic holiday specials for television. Like across, uh, you know, all holidays. If they're, if you're asked to, like, just the, the caveat was said, holiday special. For me, this would be one of the top five that I list. What about you, Todd? <laughs> I've never seen this until about a half an hour ago. Oh my goodness. So... <laughs> How is that even possible? Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. It's just, it was never really on the radar for, for me as a kid. Um, yeah, I know that Charlie Brown, these Charlie Brown specials are a big deal for a lot of people, but I just never saw them. I mean, we're going to get to it in the trivia, but uh, it originally aired in 1966, and it has never not aired <laughs> since then, except for last year, which we'll we'll talk a little bit about the trivia. There was a yeah, little controversy last year. Uh, but wow, I mean, it's it's for, at this point, generations, it's been like part of the uh, the annual holiday tradition, you know, going back to when there really were the only three channels to choose from, so you kind of had to watch it. <laughs> Well, I was out trick or treating yeah. on Christmas on uh, on Halloween, and also, you know, you had more options than just the three channels when it started. <laughs> yeah. Well, for anyone who is unfamiliar, it's the Great Pumpkin. Charlie Brown is a 1966 animated television special that tells the story of the Peanuts gang out on Halloween night. Linus wants to wait in a pumpkin patch for the Great Pumpkin to appear instead of going trick or treating, while Snoopy pretends to be a World War One flying ace. And it was written by Charles Schultz and directed by Bill Melendez, and starred Peter Robbins as Charlie Brown, Christopher Shea as Linus Van Pelt, and Bill Melendez as Snoopy. And of course, it was scored by jazz pianist Vince Guaraldi. And that score, I love. I love the Peanuts score so much. It's great. It, yep. it, it is. I do know that. Yeah, it's just one of the special things. Like as soon as I hear that, it's like, ah, oh, it feels like fall. <laughs> <laughs> well, Todd, I guess you kind of revealed how you came to it. I said, hey, Todd, do you want to come talk about It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown? And even though you'd never seen it before, you agreed to. Uh, <laughs> for me, I, I just remember this being on uh, in my childhood, both it airing um on television but also we had one of those you know vhs tapes with six hours of various you know things score recorded at the ep length so it was low quality uh you know visual recording and you fast forward to find the the whatever holiday special that is that you're looking for that you recorded off tv uh so so that's my memory of this uh what was i mean without going too in depth your initial reaction todd to to watching it for the first time (laughs) I I thought it was very strange. It is. Um and <laughs> <laughs> I actually really liked it. I mean, there there's it is not what I was expecting at all. Um I mean, I should have expected it because it's Charlie Brown, 
and I know you know enough about Charlie Brown to know that I should have expected maybe some something like this. But I was like from the very beginning, I was just like, I have no idea what's going to happen next because it's all so strange. It does have a very odd pace, which I, I think is part of its charm. I, you know, that's not a bug; it's a feature that. Um, in adapting the newspaper comic strip, sometimes they just adapt straight up. Here's this was you could tell this was a four panel comic strip <laughs> that they've now mm-hmm. animated into a thirty second bit uh, for this. Yes, and then other times it's like we're going we're going for this uh, kind of experimental animation of Snoopy <laughs> as a World War One flying ace in you know much longer depth and detail than than anyone probably could have expected, and they just commit to the bit of doing kind of a silent film almost of. Um, you know, of, of that whole sequence. And it it does make for um, th- this delightfully strange product where uh, it could be short vignettes, but then there's these longer plots of Linus and, uh, you know, waiting in the pumpkin patch and, and the kids going out trick-or-treating, but then it still gets broken up by some short bits here and there. So the pace is just kind of, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you, you don't know once a new sequence starts how long this is going to last. Yeah, and I mean there are parts of it that I was that I was familiar with, like the Char- Charlie Brown kicking the kicking the football, and that's a thing that that that's in other specials too, isn't it? Doesn't that like a long like a long standing bit between him and him and Lucy, the football? Yeah, and that's I mean that was across the fifty years of the comic strip was a, a go to, right. you know that that you would have yeah. found. So and I knew that about um, uh, about peanuts. It's both so many of these specials that you know were were produced and aired and i mean they're still doing new uh peanuts content for apple plus but then also there's the the cortex of the comic strip that was just in everyone's newspaper growing up yeah i was just not expecting this this long through line about like faith and belief and and like that whole thing really caught me by surprise <laughs> All right, well, before we get to the plot summary, that'll help to illuminate some of that, uh, the trivia. This was the third Peanuts special that was produced, and it originally aired on CBS in 1966, and it aired annually on that network until the year 2000. In 2001, ABC secured the rights to air the special and did so until 2019. In 2020, the streaming service Apple TV Plus made a deal for all Peanuts television content. I think you have to say the plus with that, or you're supposed to. I don't know. Yes, you do. Yep. are just sticking you know plus signs on at the end um but after some backlash about this not being on tv for the first time since 1966 which is you know generations of people had this on um apple made a deal for it to air on pbs beginning in 2021 so it's going to air on pbs the week of thanksgiving this year um and though last year they did make it available for free to non-subscribers but you still had to log on to apple apple tv plus which is a big ask for a certain generation of viewers, it turns out, <laughs> <laughs> that, that thought this was a tradition that should always be on TV. <laughs> um, this was Emmy nominated uh, for Individual Achievement and also Outstanding Children's Program in 1967. It did not win either. Do you have any idea what won Outstanding Children's Program in 1967? <laughs> mm, I have no idea. It was uh, a Gene Kelly Jack and the Beanstalk special. Wow. I didn't know this existed. I kind of want to watch it. Quite reached the uh, the level of permanence in the pop culture <laughs> <laughs> landscape as uh, it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Um, as I noted earlier, Bill Melendez, the director, is the voice of Snoopy, and I think he does a fabulous job with the strange sounds that Snoopy makes in this special. Mm-hmm. 
and he is an animation legend. He worked on Disney films and Looney Tunes before working on the peanut specials. Um, and uh, if you, if you study the history of animation, he's one of those names that just kind of has to come up at a certain point. All right. Well, before we move on to that full summary, we want to thank you for downloading this episode. And we especially want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you'd like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we talk about the media we've been consuming that we aren't yet covering as episodes of the podcast. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. Now on to the spoiler summary of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. So as we noted, this is an adaptation of a newspaper comic strip, and so it has a blend of charming short vignettes, and then also there is a larger plot that it has. So we open up with Linus and Lucy picking out a pumpkin and struggling to roll it home, and then Linus is upset when Lucy stabs it to turn into a jack-o'-lantern. Charlie Brown breaks a pile of leaves, and Linus jumps into it with a wet lollipop and uh, gets leaves stuck all over himself and his lollipop. Lucy gets Charlie Brown to try and kick a football, but pulls it away at the last second. Um, these are all just like classic short little bits <laughs> that you can tell are direct adaptations of newspaper comic strips. Uh, but Linus is going to choose to spend his uh, Halloween night in the pumpkin patch instead of going trick-or-treating. He has written to the Great Pumpkin, a figure Linus believes will visit the most sincere pumpkin patch and bring presents to him. None of the other children, except Sally, entertain the idea of the Great Pumpkin even for a second. The other kids go trick-or-treating and get candy, except Charlie Brown, who only gets rocks. And then they go to a Halloween party. Charlie Brown is asked to model for their jack-o'-lantern carving, and they draw on the back of his round head with a marker to practice the shapes they'll use on the pumpkin. Snoopy imagines he's a World War I flying ace, losing plane battles to the Red Baron. Linus and Sally still wait in the pumpkin patch. Linus sees a silhouette rising in the, in the patch and believes it is the Great Pumpkin, and he faints in excitement, but it was only Snoopy. Sally yells at Linus for keeping her from trick-or-treating. She leaves with the other kids, and Linus yells that if the Great Pumpkin comes, he will put in a good word for them, then panics because he said if which demonstrates a lack of true belief. He continues to wait and falls asleep in the pumpkin patch. Lucy comes and gets him and takes him to bed. The next morning, Charlie Brown and Linus discuss the great pumpkin and Linus vows that he will wait again next year for the great pumpkin. The end. <laughs> oh, like, should we start by talking about Linus? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I think this is the biggest... Like, if you try to find a theme for this, and not mm -hmm. just charming little short comedic vignettes, it's the story of Linus and his faith. And I think it's, you, you can see it either way, that he's like a zealot that denies logic and reason that is being told to him by others, or he's a faithful, faithful individual in the face of persecution. And I like that the show just kind of leaves it at that. <laughs> it doesn't mm -hmm. really dig into uh, making you choose a side uh, on that. And um, I, I think that's, part of the uh you know the overall charm is that you're kind of left with this question of like what, what do we make of linus in the great pumpkin charlie brown and it doesn't give you a clear answer yeah it's um it reminds me of waiting for godot i'm i'm certainly not the first person that's that's drawn that connection yeah i i had a note so <laughs> <laughs> um but the, there is a kind of absurdity in what's going on here and yet um and the, perhaps unlike waiting for Godot, there is kind of a like a like a sweetness to mm -hmm. to what's going on with Linus that I, I think we don't get in in Beckett's play. And yeah, Beckett's play is I, very light on sweetness. It's what it's what um, it's what makes it work, mm -hmm. I think. 
But as I mentioned at the beginning, it just totally, it totally caught me off guard. I was not expecting that at all. And I'm still, you know, I just watched this like probably an hour ago now, and I'm just still kind of trying to process it. Like, <laughs> why? How did this get made? <laughs> who, who thinks? Who thinks this is a great idea for kids? And then, and then, how does this turn out to be a classic that runs on TV for like, you know, what sixty years almost now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And people just say, oh, this is just part of Halloween for me. Um, it's just, it's a very interesting phenomenon, I think. Yeah. I think some of the sweetness that you're identifying comes from the having ch- children as voice actors, not adults doing the voices and with Waiting for Godot having adults sitting there on stage in this absurdism. Uh, there's a sense of innocence that you just get through the voice of, of Linus. Um, and I think that also carries over to some of the pessimism that is definitely there with Charlie Brown. I mean, that's a, a core part of Peanuts is like there is this kind of pervading pessimism about about life and even about childhood. And yet when you when you hear that childish voice of Charlie Brown saying, I got a rock like you, <laughs> there's there's something that that is balanced somehow uh, in that. It, and I think there's ways that it could have like actually doubled like the the sadness of it all. But but the voice performance really does make it still feel like there's an innocence here. Yeah, I'm 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 struck by the way that Linus describes this. So so there's a great pumpkin mm-hmm. uh, who is like Santa Claus for Halloween, mm-hmm. and and the idea. I mean, he writes him this this letter that like I'm writing to the great pumpkin. Everybody's telling him he's a fool for doing this. Um, in the way that like only peanuts characters can do, which is just so harsh. <laughs> they, they can be so brutal <laughs> to each they other. They really are brutal to each other. My wife walked in while I was watching this and she said, these kids are so mean to each other. <laughs> the very first <laughs> peanuts comic strip has Charlie Brown walking down the street and it's Lucy and one other kid. I can't remember who it is now off the top of my head, but they just like say, Hey, Charlie Brown. And he says, hi. And that's like the first three panels. And, and he's gone in the fourth panel. And the fourth panel is one of the other kids saying how I hate him. Yeah. I remember <laughs> and, and, we, we talked about that like several years ago. I feel like yeah, we, we did one on the newspaper uh, on peanuts, comic strips and Snoopy. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that is just brutal. <laughs> and mean, like it just feels mean. And, and I don't know if it's something about, uh, Charles Schultz's art, and then in the animation, you you take you translate that art over, but then add the childlike voices. It doesn't come across with like the bitter cynicism of like uh, Gen X animation, right? And Gen X uh, children's entertainment. Somehow, it still feels sweet. And I don't yeah. know how that how how it's happening. <laughs> okay, so Linus is there, and he's writing he's writing this letter. And everybody's telling him how terrible he is. And then, so if I understand the mythology right, um, you wait in the pumpkin patch, mm-hmm. and and then if you are, have the most sincere pumpkin patch, yes, then the great pumpkin will arise out of your pumpkin patch and shower gifts on you and all of the good, sincere children of of the world, or something. <laughs> <laughs> It makes way less sense even than Santa Claus, um, the, but I but I'm struck by this idea of sincerity, and mm-hmm. 
what does it mean to have the most sincere uh, pumpkin patch? And we get a, we get a little clue to that at the end when when uh, when Linus says if he comes back ne- if if he comes the next year, and then he says, "Oh no, I said if." Now I realize that I don't have the most sincere pumpkin patch, <laughs> so, so it's not going to happen. Um, and uh, so there, I mean, this is an idea that that's that's been explored like ad nauseum in Christmas movies about like, if you just believe it's all about belief and then, and then great things happen. Um, but uh, there's something about this, like the setting uh, and, and Linus just being so alone mm-hmm. in this uh, that makes it feel really different than those, than those films. Like, like yeah, Christmas I found the stories. monologue that, um, or well, one of the monologues because Linus delivers quite a few. Uh, but he says, each year the great pumpkin rises out of the pumpkin patch that he thinks is the most sincere. He's got to pick this one. He's got to. I don't see how a pumpkin patch can be more sincere than this one. You can look around and there's not a sign of hypocrisy. Nothing but sincerity <laughs> as far as the eye can see. I don't know what that means. <laughs> he says there's no hypocrisy in this pumpkin patch. In the pumpkin patch. Yeah. But... I the thing is when I'm watching it and I can never remember when I'm watching it like catching on that idea like you just kind of it, it just moves through <laughs> and this and I don't know if it's because I started watching this one as a kid and you and you you don't interrogate it as much yeah. uh, when, when you're a child uh, that it, it just was part of the storyline but I understand exactly what you're saying that it's it, it is both um, like an echo of the themes that you find in so many Christmas specials but it is its own thing. Um, and in being its own thing, it simultaneously, I think, points out some of the strangeness that we can start to just accept as normal uh, in things that we uh, that, that we consume regularly. But it also feels a little special um, in, in doing that, like this idea of, of having the most sincere pumpkin patch. Um, you know, think for a moment, like what what does that look like? I don't know, but it looks a lot like the pumpkin patch Linus was in in my mind's eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, like this, um, it, to me, it's something about like just feeling like fall, you know, like like feeling like North American fall is what it means to have a sincere pumpkin patch. Yeah, like, so I'm in Michigan right now and, and fall in Michigan is just, well, you know what fall in Michigan is like. It's just spectacular and and gloomy. In a way that that I think fall in, in Utah where where we grew up, it's it's different. You get way more gray days in Michigan than you do in in Utah. And it's it's just kind of wet and it's gloomy and the leaves have turned and it feels like fall in a way that, that no other place that I've ever lived feels like fall in the fall. So you and, think a sincere and, pumpkin patch would be more likely to be found in Michigan than in Utah? I do. I really do. I've, I've seen some pretty that. sincere pumpkin patches. Having in, lived in both, I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. Oh my goodness, we went to a cider mill the other day, and they had these giant pumpkins that they that they'd grown. They were like, they're very big. <laughs> they were, they were so they were the biggest pumpkins I've ever seen. But but the, so I think there's something totally appropriate about this story in the way that in the way that it's told and in the loneliness of Linus. And I mean, Sally kind of goes out with him and she hangs out with him for a while and then she just reams him 
when mm-hmm. it turns out that it's Snoopy and that she's mad because she she wasn't able to go trick or treating, she lets him have it in yeah. in again in the way that only Peanuts characters can do in this like childish, sweet and yet and yet like biting and and, bitter. <laughs> and cruel way. But like, I don't know how I, these children are so worn down by life, but they are. <laughs> yeah, when I think about Christmas stories. I feel like Christmas stories so often are about um I mean the idea of loneliness is often uh is often explored in Christmas stories but but if it is it seems like it's always ends with community right like mm-hmm. people coming together so oh here's this lonely person on Christmas Mr. Kruger's Christmas right so Jimmy Stewart's uh sad and and lonely and uh, imagining that he's leading the tabernacle choir and then, and then the little girl comes and now, uh, and now they're all friends and they go, uh, they go, uh, caroling together or miracle on 34th street. This, uh, this girl is struggling with belief, um, in, in Santa Claus, but she has this friend that's there to kind of guide her. And in the end they go in the house and, Oh, look, really now we have the house and we have the, the, potential marriage and 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 so there is this idea of belief and wait, sometimes wait. people are life. lonely we gotta get that one in there <laughs> if you're talking about commu- if you're gonna mention community at christmas we have to mention it's a wonderful life yes absolutely right <laughs> uh there's this deep feeling of loneliness that then ends with uh with this with this really great feeling of community and 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 linus is he's just lonely through this whole thing there's there's even there's kind of this moment where it looks like Lucy is kind of trying to take care of him where he's outside shivering yeah. and it's i mean it's the coldest kind of warmth that <laughs> you can ever that you would ever see i mean you you would think like oh she'll come in she'll like tuck him in and she basically just picks him up drags him in the house dumps him in his bed and yeah. goes to sleep I think that that moment is super important. I love that moment when Lucy comes uh-huh. out. But I completely what do you love agree with what you're it? saying. It is just like this. It, it's giving you that that crack in the cold exterior of Lucy. Like Lucy, when we say these kids are harsh, Lucy is the harshest, right? Yes. She, she, she's the meanest. You and blockhead. That, that crack that says she loves her brother, but it doesn't cross that line into warmth i guess <laughs> you know into schmaltziness into uh you know into like now you see like she really because it, it keeps that uh, um you know k- kind of rough edge to her as she you you she doesn't actually say anything it's a silent sequence right when she walks out yes. and grabs him uh-huh. and takes him back to bed but you can almost hear her muttering you blockhead under her, <laughs> her yes <breath>. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole time she's doing this and she's just frustrated that she has to be the big sister but she is being the big sister and so somehow it uh it, it managed to do both things. Like keep that kind of harshness that is a part of the peanuts identity, but also say she's still his big sister. <laughs> yeah. And then it ends with this with uh with Charlie Brown and and, and Linus just sitting like what the, they're sitting behind a wall or something. Mm-hmm. And Linus is like, I'm gonna do this next year. I'm coming back again. <laughs> Charlie Brown's like, you, you dummy. <laughs> and it's just, uh, it's just so strange. It's very, it really is like the Halloween to, to Christmas, right? I mean, if Christmas is all about hope 
and, well, and, and joy the and Christmas. kindness and warmth. Like the Charlie Brown Christmas special ends with the gang together singing a hymn, right? Uh-huh. You know, they, they come together around after they realize they went too far in insulting Charlie Brown and because they were angry at the, the, the weak tree that he bought and the, the, <laughs> the pathetic tree that he brought and, and they all yell at him and he's, he slumps off and they say, you know what? This tree's not so bad. We can fix it up and make it special. And they do. And then they sing and Charlie Brown is part of the group. And then you compare that to this ending, which is, like you said, uh, you know, Line is still basically alone, but okay, Charlie Brown's going to listen to him, but Charlie Brown is not agreeing with him at all, and he just ends up yelling his opinion into the void, basically. Yeah. It, it is such a different ending to the, uh, what what is it? Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas is the name of the other one. Um, yeah. And, and it does feel more right for the fall and for, for Halloween. I mean, there... <laughs> There's a kind of argument to be made that this is like perhaps one of the scariest things that you could that you could watch on Halloween, right? <laughs> I mean, if we're if if we're if we're if we're to take what what they've given us, which is that this is a metaphor for belief, which which they openly invite us to do, right? Yeah, I, I, that's not subtext. That is text, right? So, so if that's the case, then, you know, what could be more terrifying than the idea that you really are, uh, yelling into the void Mm -hmm. and that all this stuff that we do as believers, um, is, is, is meaningless and that the great pumpkin is never going to come and we really truly are alone and that all the haters and all the people, all the detractors, they're all right. Mm-hmm. This is not, this is never going to happen. And that's a ter. I mean, that's a terrifying thought if you let it sit in. Um, more terrifying than, you know, death by chainsaw or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a kind of existential, uh, uh, there's an existential like angst behind this that if you let your guard down and let the, those kinds of thoughts creep in, that's that's what's truly terrifying. Yeah, and I think it's uh, by making it the Great Pumpkin, it can become an analog for any kind of thing that you put your belief in. Obviously, there's religious faith, but then there's also you, you move this over to one holiday, and you know, uh, kids kids and Santa Claus, and yes. you. Uh, but but also, it's like what what traditions are giving your life meaning? What you know the what tradition do you think is going to pay off uh, in the end? And like the, it gets counterpointed by the the more popular tradition of trick or treating, but that's not working out for Charlie Brown. <laughs> you know, no, it's not it's like not. that tradition is is yielding excellent results that are going to give him joy. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's actually quite a lot that's being questioned, and again, like it doesn't it doesn't wrap up any of the answers at the end. <laughs> Just kind of leaves it lingering. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't mean to make this like too personal, but we we are. Uh... We're, we're talking about this less than a week after BYU blew uh, what has been up to this point a perfect season. And I mean, talk about belief and like this never ending hope. Like, hey, this is going to be the year. This is our year. And, you know, hope springs eternal every August. And you think this is going to be it. And then, you know, your team, uh, they're looking great. And then they, you know, they stumble and they fall and you go, ah. Oh, 
they don't fumble all year. year. And then, you know, and then, you know <laughs> two fumbles that give the other team a short field and you fumble when you're on your own 10 and, and prevent yourself from getting points. And that, right. that loses a game. <laughs> did you, you uh, go next you year? Next year is going to be it in your house. What? Cause I had children in tears, tears in my house. <laughs> we did not have children in tears. Um, but my daughter was pretty, uh, she was hopping. I mean, yeah. she was mad, like <laughs> mad, mad. <laughs> so we had but to, I, you, know, you know, sports emotions is a great place to feel those big emotions as a child yes. and start to process. <laughs> and learn how to, yeah, and learn how to regulate. Um, yeah. So start it was, it's, it's been good. Uh... <laughs> but man, there's, uh, there's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of, you know, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, well, feeling. Every, when we talk about like sports fans, every year, every fandom but one gets that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every fandom but one thinks, well, I mean, I guess some fandoms know this isn't going to be the year, but you let yourself start to believe at some point <laughs> that, that this could be it. And every year, there's only one fandom that actually gets that feeling. And if we're talking about college football, it's usually Alabama, but not this year. <laughs> that was apparently that was not. A little bit... and it's not Clemson, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Clemson gets to gets to feel what it's like to be Charlie Brown this year. Um, <laughs> there, I know I'm, I, I know I'm talking a lot about like Utah and BYU, but, um, th- so, so the jets, right. They drafted mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, number two overall draft. Um, there's this guy, rich Eisen. Do you, have you ever seen him? I have rich, rich Eisen. And have you seen him talk about Zach Wilson? Uh, yes. <laughs> he is absolutely Linus, right? <laughs> and he's like, his desperate, <laughs> desire and the way that he talks about jets fans who just always lose and have lost for so long and he says you know it happens to my friends over in new york and it happens in seattle and it can happen in kansas city but it can't happen to the jets because <laughs> it just never happens. it happens in new england it happens in miami but it never happens in new york and then and then you know tony romo says oh zach wilson he's gonna be top five quarterback and he's like could it possibly happen or can we get our hopes up now and then you know and then and the, they're one of four the, which is a, a very regular <laughs> yeah, path for rookie quarterbacks of, that are starting their first year like every other rookie quarterback is also one of four this year <laughs> yeah this is kind of doing what it's done and and yeah. and to see it, it, it he just he embodies that hope and mm-hmm. kind of de- that desperate hope so well yeah uh, but yeah it's a halloween story it's not a christmas story so it's appropriate for it to it to end the way that it does because it's just it's just super sad and i think the other part of this like the other main storyline that we get a lot of time with is the snoopy is world war one flying ace and in like the 50 year history of the comic strip snoopy does all these strange personas but it's Uh always the world's greatest you know the world's greatest lawyer (laughs) the world's greatest baseball player except Uh for the world war one flying ace is his pessimistic persona that always loses to the red baron and so it makes perfect sense that's the one that gets a long sequence of kind of experimentals you know strange use of color uh fantastic sound design uh you know animation sequence we're not seeing the world's greatest anything from snoopy in this particular special (laughs) we're seeing the 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 persona that he has that is a constant struggle and failure yeah (laughs) i mean you have to have it there there has to be some recognition of this or or the other has no meaning 
or the Christmas one, them coming together at the Christmas special is more significant if you've watched this in October. Yeah. (laughs) Than to go watch uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas in December. It matters more that the gang's together and singing. Yeah, I mean, if you, I know, I know, I know people that are not super zippy about Halloween because of you know my stuff memory that Halloween serves. Your mother was not a fan of Halloween. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not just her. I mean, lots of people are are way more excited about Christmas than they are about Halloween. But I, I just, I, I, I know I've said this on the podcast before, but I think that Christmas means so much more uh, if you understand what Halloween is all about, which is this right it's recognition of uh of the of mortality and darkness and um and if you allow yourself to to recognize that that's part of existence and the hope that comes at christmas is so much more meaningful um you know it's why uh like broke painters like caravaggio are so great because they understand um that in order to create something really meaningful, there has to be light and darkness. And in the contrast the between those things mm-hmm. uh, is where you get like real beauty. Um, and so it's not a great, I think it's not a great idea to just sort of gloss over, um, to gloss over Halloween. I was just so surprised that, <laughs> that they, I mean, they went all in on this. And it, one thing that is so strange to me is, you know, again, thinking this is the, only the third of those Peanuts specials. This is in 1966. Peanuts started in, uh, I want to say, fit, like in, in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really has become like just a fixture in pop culture, you know, that that just through osmosis, you're going to be aware of the Peanuts gang and Snoopy and Charlie Brown. And this is one of the the first like major mainstream entries. <laughs> and it is uh, it's a bizarre thing. Uh, and it's, I, I think it's earned its status as a classic and I do watch it every year, but to stop and say, I'm going to be talking about this for 45 minutes to an hour and, and like to write down that plot summary, I'm like there's, this is <laughs> what, what is this thing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I think we, we need more of this, uh, this kind of feel like the, even just the color palette of this, like it, it, the, the choices that Melinda's made in coloring peanuts for mm-hmm. it, a Halloween special. Like it's just so different than the color palette they did, they did for the Christmas special. And it feels like that those deliberate choices were so smart and on the money to capture all the mood of October, uh, you know, and, and, and the, the, the leaves falling and dying, but, but still having like these, you know, the, the giant orange gourds and it, like, just everything about it is so, so well designed, but so simple. Uh, and, uh, to, to find that wonderful blend of, uh, simplicity of, uh, but, but making the right choices with your color palette and the, the voice performers that you're going to bring in and which, which comic strips you adapt and, and to somehow have it all come together and feel right and feel like fall and have you know some of that, that harsh pessimism that is part of the peanuts gang and yet still feel, um, special and, and like something that should be on the air every year at Halloween time. I, I they managed to capture it all. Uh, and, and it's, it's impressive what they were able to bring together here. Yeah. I like the, the word that you used mood. Mm-hmm. Like there is something, it, it is 
it is all of those things, right? It's it's the palette and it's the 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 style of the animation and it's the voices and it's the story and it's um it's each of these little vignettes and the way that they build up to this really uh, great and kind of terrifying um conclusion uh but it's not it's not like uh, the sum of all of those things is greater than uh or the total of those things is greater than the sum of its parts right like there's something mm-hmm. kind of um magical about the way that all of those things come together to create this like bizarre little story <laughs> that even as i look back on it i'm like that was so strange. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> it's very strange, but it, but it, but totally appropriate for what it is. Yeah, I want to read uh, Linus's last monologue that he rants over the credits as they're rolling. Uh-huh. He says, "Just wait till next year, Charlie Brown. You'll see. Next year, at this same time, I'll find a pumpkin patch that is real sincere, and I'll sit in that pumpkin patch until the great pumpkin appears. He'll rise out of that pumpkin patch, and he'll fly through the air with his bag of toys. The great pumpkin will appear, and I'll be waiting for him. I'll be there. I'll be sitting in that pumpkin patch, and I'll see the great pumpkin. Just wait and see Charlie Brown. And the great thing is, every year Linus is sitting in a pumpkin patch <laughs> that he thinks is real sincere. And right. Every year, it, it, you know, it doesn't come to pass, but." uh the fact that that's like the closing monologue is I'll be here next year. It's sitting in the pumpkin patch and this has aired, you know, every year since 1966. I think there's something that they couldn't have planned, but it's really great about that. Yeah. And, 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 uh, there, like what could be more sincere than Linus saying that, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's Linus who gets the, uh, you know, the, the religious monologue in uh, in the Christmas special too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's something about Linus that's just right for that kind of earnestness. Yeah, and I think that that's what makes it so sad. If the, if this was Lucy saying, oh, I'll be so sincere, then you're like, you're not sincere, Lucy. You're a monster because she is. She's horrible <laughs> almost all of the time. But Linus – like Linus really is sincere and there is no hypocrisy in him. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so sad because you I mean, can't it, point at it. Yeah. You can't point at him and say, well, you're really not living up to it. But if you did, he feels that way, but that just makes us feel like he's more sincere than ever. Mm-hmm. Even Charlie Brown, like there's a, a, a kind of beaten down feeling around Charlie Brown that Linus never has. Like Linus yeah. just always is earnestly hopeful. Uh, and, and, you know, when, if what you're looking for is sincerity, Linus Van Pelt is where you should be going. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Which makes it just, it's all the more tragic Mm -hmm. way that this thing ends. But yeah. And I mean, how could they have known in 1966 that in 2021, we would still be, you know, people, not me, obviously, but people, <laughs> other well, you, people. You're jumping on the podcast to talk about it for an hour talk. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, people have been watching this every year since then. And, and they were upset enough with Apple for pulling it off the air that it is now back on the air. And, uh, you know, it really is a thing. I know I, I have known that it existed forever. Mm-hmm. I just never sat down and watched it. I, I never... I can honestly say I never have the thought, you know what I really want to watch right now is peanuts. Like it's just, <laughs> it never, it hasn't really, it doesn't, it hasn't spoken to me in ways that other things have. Um, but every time that I dip my toe in the water, I go, 
okay, I can see that. There, there really is. Uh, There's there something really is here. Something great here. Yeah, yeah. it's not. It's not. It, it, it's not just the marketing blitz that Charles Schultz licensed everything for Snoopy. <laughs> no, although that was genius. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, there really is. Uh, there really is a, a a depth to this stuff that you don't see all the time in in children's programming. One other note, uh, I had meant to put it in the trigger, but somehow it's it slipped through. Um, after this aired, the production offices said they were bombarded with children mailing in candy for Charlie Brown. Are you kidding me? <laughs> nope. Oh, <that's> <laughs> because so all sweet. he gets is rocks. And apparently, that was something that was debated. Like Charles Schultz thought it was too mean to do three three times in a row that he only gets rocks. Uh, but Mil- Bill Melendez was insistent that it had to be all three <laughs> that Charlie Brown never gets candy. He never gets candy. He never kicks the football. Yeah, which when you add in like the football, it 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 would feel weird for him to actually win and get the candy. <laughs> like yeah. it, it really is of a piece with Lucy pulling the football, which is a Charles Schultz classic. I, I remember when Charles Schultz was uh, retiring in uh, right around 2000. I think it was um, lots of people thought the last comic strip would be Charlie Brown kicking the football. And it, and it was kind of like you can't <laughs> like that's not what this is about have you read the past 50 years yeah <laughs> um i know and also i mean this is uh more about the comic strip than this special and i know we covered it when we talked about snoopy but that, that had to be four years ago at this point yeah. i think mm-hmm. um he said his goal was to to never retire and to have his comic strip outlive him because he'd he'd produce so much that it would it would keep going and um his health was deteriorating so much he couldn't draw the daily strips anymore. And so he did announce his retirement, but he had produced enough Sunday strips that he died. I think like a week before his last original Sunday strip went out uh, Uh. to to newspapers. Uh, He, he outlived his daily strip uh, because he didn't have enough back catalog on that. Uh, But, but uh, the, uh, the, the comic strip did, fulfill his goal of, of still going out at least one more time uh, after, after he passed. That's amazing. It's an amazing thing. All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts on it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown? No, I'm glad that I finally, uh, finally did this. So thanks for the invitation. Well, thank you for jumping on to this episode, Todd. And thank you listeners for downloading for show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows. You can go to duelinggenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review that really helps us out. We'd like to thank Scott Hofty, who composed our theme music. You can reach us by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod or at Dorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at Dizminute. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. And there's also a Dueling Genre Discord channel that you can find by searching for Dueling Genre uh, if you have the Discord app, where you can interact with all of the Dueling Genre podcast hosts. Todd, is there anything you would like to plug? I just want to plug... Uh, being nice to people. Go out and do a nice thing for somebody. <laughs> we need to be really nice. There's a lot of mean, there's a lot of mean spirited stuff going on in the world, and I think we should stop it. Or I'll be more like you Lucy going out and bringing her cold brother inside and tucking him into bed. <laughs> yeah, even if you do it with a grumpy with a grumpy face like she does, try to do something nice for somebody. It's worth it. All right, well, thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. So long.
that I was going to repeat myself, so I went back and found all my old Google Docs, and I, I definitely had repeated a couple themes <laughs> um, <laughs> from one year to the next. Twice I've invented a new holiday movie streaming service <laughs> with, <laughs> with different names, <laughs> and I had no memory of it. <laughs> I've done it twice. <laughs>